FinTech Hunting is hosted by Michael Hammett, JD, CMT, keynote speaker, author, and founder and president of Next Level Advisors. Join Michael as he seeks out tech visionaries, leading lenders, trailblazing executives, and other financial influencers to bring you actionable insights and lead generation tactics, all centered around industry greatness and success. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of FinTech Hunting. I have a very special guest for you today. It is Brian Koss, Executive Vice President of Mortgage Network. I've known Brian for a number of years in the industry. He always has great insights and a pulse of what's taking place. Brian, welcome to the show. My pleasure, Michael. It is great to have you here. So, there is a lot going on. These are extraordinary times, not just in the mortgage industry, but in society in general. First and foremost, how are you and your team doing? Is everyone safe and doing well? Yeah, you know, everyone's safe. Everyone's working from home, um, you know, which is a whole whole another uh, set of set of issues. And and from a from a technology standpoint, you know, pivoting and and quickly adapting to. Uh, the, to the new new ways of doing it, even though we're obviously certain parts of our world, you know, we're we're working from home. Uh, it's a whole different when when you make everyone do it. Um, so uh, yeah, we all all are pivoting and finding a way to to uh, to make it work and still function at a high level. Absolutely, and I'm going to come back to remote working and technology in a little bit, but. With everything going on, what are some of the things you're seeing in the market? I've seen so many different podcasts and videos and people talking about liquidity and people talking about non-QM and people trying to deal with what's going on with the rates and the stimulus that the government is putting in. From from your perspective, give us kind of a state of where you see the industry right now. Uh, wow. Um, it, it, on, on a day-by-day basis, um, liquidity is is definitely number one. Um, whether it's the uh, just the, the confidence in, uh, in in the ability that your obviously lines are solid and lines are open, but also feeling good about the about the uh, the quality of that which they are funding. So everything that's on the periphery, which is uh, anything we're almost now outside of Fannie and Freddie type product, uh, is is feeling a bit of the squeeze. Uh, a lot of the squeeze is going towards the uh, the non-QM that that which we're worried about going into a, a bad recession. So the non-QM money has has really dried up, and you can throw into that non-QM vanilla. Uh, you know the A-level jumbo is also feeling it. Um, so if you aren't aren't selling your loans to banks on the on the jumbo side, um, you're you're feeling a lot of pressure there as well. Uh, and then the the issues having to do with Ginny Mae's servicing right now is a real real concern. Um, that have to that have to make good on all of those Ginny Mae uh, mortgages uh, will put a lot of pressure on non bank servicers right now. Uh, really, on a huge squeeze. So there's a lot of pressure to to get the lines uh, create a a facility to help those servicers be able to uh, keep government lending uh, open. Because if you take away government servicing, that there's no market for government servicing, putting no value in it, uh, that could force that to dry up real, real quickly, which would really hurt everyone. Because even in 2008, government lending never stopped and really helped the uh, the first-time buyers out there, um, you know, continue to get into homes. 
Right. When you mentioned 2008, and even though there's no playbook for what's currently taking place, are there lessons that can be learned from, you know, the financial crisis of 2008? And is there anything we can apply to today's market to help kind of lean in and move things forward? Uh, just liquid, just that liquidity. If, if the government can just shore up that there is a market there, it's the the feeling that there's so much of it is, is counting on counterparties and consistency. And when you just take uh, total fear and and concern that that uh, the, the market will be there and be liquid tomorrow, uh, it it really causes a ripple effect. So uh, we're really counting on. There's not much we can. I think we we can do. Uh, at, at this point, uh, other than look for some uh, governmental help to just to shore it up enough so that uh, the trading continues and, and people are willing to be on either side of that trade going forward. Well, and, it, and that then restores the confidence. And once there's that confidence in the markets and the confidence in the liquidity, then like you said, hopefully it will keep things freed up. Uh, obviously, you mentioned at the start of our conversation, you know, it's one thing to have some people rem work remotely, but when your whole organization has to go remotely, what are some of the challenges that you've seen? What are some of the benefits that you've seen of moving to this uh, remote workforce? Well, I, I think people's, the, the flexibility, um, obviously the, the issues having to do this since most of the schools are out, you know, the, 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 the pull that the parents have uh, to be able to have to be there for their their family during these concerning times, um, but and then being able though to work whenever they can, which are which means pretty much 24/7. They they might not be able to be on in the middle of the day uh, because of uh, you know a, a children or or, or um, de dealing with a parent issue right now uh, in this kind of world. Then they'll jump back on later, which they maybe wouldn't have done before. So um, it will be interesting to see how this changes things going forward you know if if people some people just don't want to come back at all and and are, are more efficient there it's too early to say how how it will affect uh, efficiencies yet i mean what historically certain roles underwriting is a perfect example where it's very much a, a cottage or case study industry you know you as long as you underwrite x amount a day you can very easily manage uh, and measure that efficiency it's a little different with processing, uh, a little different with uh, maybe legal work or, or post-closing or things like that. So um, it, it's certain positions lend more to that than others so, and have yet really been, been tested to see how they're going to hold up from an efficiency standpoint. It may take a while, too, right, to, for people to adapt and find that rhythm. Absolutely. And as you talk about working remotely, what are some of the technologies that you guys have either found to be very beneficial or, you know, what are some of the impediments that you're trying to work through? You know, basically, what is technology's role in helping you guys uh, operate from a remote perspective? I mean, we're, we haven't made that many adaptations because more, more than it's, it's such a short period of time here. Uh, to, to, you know, in other words, to, to pivot and say, hey, this isn't working, let's try something new. I mean, obviously, um, some of the platforms of uh, maybe creating more collaborative platforms where in the past we, we were just working on our own systems. You know, we have a unique situation because our LOS is our own. So uh, it, it's very helpful for us because it's very organic. Um, it, it doesn't, it's very fast. So as long as you have... Uh, 
good at home power. And of course, someone mentioned to me this morning, you know, thank God, uh, you know, this kind of situation didn't happen 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when we just didn't have the bandwidth as a country. This wouldn't right. have been possible. But uh, this is what, you know, this, this could today, the majority of people have, have very good connections at, at home. So that makes, and for our systems, it, you know, we are a web-based uh, system. And again, being organic, it's not, it's, it's very, very fast. So it helps us get through uh, in, in those times. So uh, right now we haven't, uh, it's been working and, uh, you know, we haven't had our, our pricing engines our own too. That's working fine. It's really more adapting to the three to four price changes a day and trying to keep up with all the changes uh, and, and our products and, uh, and what we can and can't do, plus every state changing, right? So even if words, there's working from home and then there's stuck at home, right? Work in place. Uh, so certain, we're up and down the East Coast. And um, so, you know, Massachusetts today is our first day of basically stay in place. Uh, and that's a, you know, causes a, a different, different level uh, of anxiety and, uh, and lockdown than we even had uh, yesterday. Absolutely. I, I live in Michigan and we had the same thing. The order came down at, at midnight. So we, we have the same orders of stay in place and people trying to figure out what does that stay in place mean? What are essential businesses that need to be open? Um, are you guys seeing that you can still move loans through the pipeline? Are you having any issues with recording or recording offices not being available? Um, give me a little perspective, kind of what you're seeing from that perspective. It's it's a very much a local thing, right? So like you have some rural areas. We had a, a rural area in Pennsylvania the other day where you know we were trying to get a, a MLC uh, out of there and and. Uh, uh, or a building and a book and also a building permit right uh, change and, and the uh, the note on the website says uh, uh, you know basically Susie's working from home now and Susie doesn't have internet so mail Susie <laughs> so you know you get down <clears throat> to that kind of local level on those you know smaller th things or you need municipalities <clears throat> it gets pretty tricky uh, the it's also the quick at the quick adaptation to what does this mean for me? So, for example, when we had this note yesterday from uh, from the governor in Mass, uh, some of our attorneys, we're in an attorney state here, said, hey, we're shutting down, no more closings for two weeks. And then other attorneys are going, you know, no, we're, we're you know, interpret it this way. So even when you have that come out, as it happened in Pennsylvania, was another one, there was a lot of debate about what was essential and, and you needed clarity coming out of, uh, out of the government, out of the governor's office saying, you know, who is really included because the wording is pretty vague. So it does seem now after a little time goes by, within a couple of days, people are able to figure out, okay, we are connected to a finance industry. You are a vendor to the finance industry to keep, if primarily they want to keep funding going and liquidity going and the housing market going, then um, yes, they might tell realtors you can't do open houses. But uh, if once you're under contract to buy a house, that everyone involved in that process uh, is um, is considered essential. It's how it's, it seems to be in these states where they've come to this severity. Um, that, so the appraisers, the, um, the, uh, the 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 attorney title companies, and they've all come up with creative ways to uh, to keep people separate and to get as virtual as possible. And then it depends on the remote notarizations by state. 
uh, it's very much a local a, a local thing. I wish there was a way federally just to wave the wand. And Fannie and Freddie yesterday did come out with some of those uh, tweaks to the appraisal process in particular, which was very helpful because that was getting very problematic. Well, right. So let's talk about that a little, you know, now people with that can start looking at different valuation models. Is there any models that you guys have started to incorporate that you didn't before? Or have you guys used alternative valuation models in the past? Give our, our listeners a little perspective on some of those different models uh, that may be helpful to them in their jurisdiction. Well, can you describe that better? You mean models for valuation of, of, of uh, securities, you mean? Well, for the appraisals. So if, if the appraiser is oh, not oh, willing to go in the house, but now they can do a drive-by or yep. they can do an automated yeah. AVM, those yes. types of things. Yeah, Fannie was actually, yeah. So they're giving you the option of, of a uh, external or they're really pushing for actually a desk, a desk uh, re- review or desk appraisal. And because uh, they think that there's enough data there. Um, that, that they believe that they think that's, that's a more preferred model uh, that they'd rather see the desk review uh, being done. Uh, and uh, and then from if pictures are needed, uh, they are having borrowers going around doing um, FaceTime, uh, you know, visions, put all the lights on the house and then, you know, start from the top and go to the bottom uh, and send a picture and uh, kind of if that's a solution that's needed. So um, especially if it's checked for completions, because uh, some of the appraisals are caught in the middle, right? They did it, new construction, they need to get in at the end. Um, so you, you see people working with uh, th- those type uh, scenarios and, and models uh, saying, let's go to that model. But I think there's, they also are tweaking the engine. I think they're, they're deciding, uh, you know, maybe if we were getting 30 to 40% in one area uh, of, of pr- uh, property inspection waivers, they're going in and speaking the engine and saying, all right, we're not too worried about uh, Boston here, so let's make it 60%. So there's a combination of, right, of those, of tweaking the engine behind the scenes and also <clears throat> going to desk, uh, desk and uh, drive-bys that, that should solve a lot of them. But this is Fannie and Freddie. <clears throat> we're not hearing anything on Ginny May right now and uh, FHA and VA, which is not unusual. They're a little slower to act. But uh, that's the ones that are max financing that you would think they may not may not be as aggressive. And again, you add that to the issues of what of the valuations going on with Gini servicing, and that could be another impediment to uh, to government funding, which again is the the primary purpose in a, in a lot of areas, especially in lower you know, in a in a Michigan and a central Pennsylvania. Uh, you're at 50% government financing. Um, so that's going to be a real impediment if, if, if government seizes up a little bit here. Exactly. And one of the other things that wasn't it Fannie who announced yesterday, VOEs, now you can do those mm-hmm. um, through email before it was only through voice. They're trying to ease up yep. some of that. As they move Correct. to this, obviously, they're trying to keep the, the market moving forward, pipelines moving, liquidity in the market. Are there any other concerns as they move to these models that as a lender, you kind of got to be on the lookout for, whether it's fraud or some of the other things that you have to, you know, kind of keep keep a keen eye on? Well, th- there's definitely some some concern in the fraud part, but I think even just more so, <clears throat> that I think it's one of the reasons why FHA and VA aren't rushing out to, to make it too easy, is that on the other end of this, 
uh, you know, we just, right now we're, we're solving for us being locked down in our homes. But on the back end of this, we might have a, a pretty long chunk of severe unemployment and certain industries are really going to be, you know, horribly affected. So we don't want to um, make it so easy for someone to get into a house and then see them turn around and get, uh, you know, not be able to make a payment. And um, so it's going to be an opportunity to say, hey, can you stop and not maybe you shouldn't buy this home right now. Uh, and, and this is a way to, uh, to, to us not to get into a bad debt and have first payment defaults. So there's, um, there's a lot of caution in, involved uh, to, to all at the same time because you do know in the back end of this, it could be a bit of a cliff. Right. Well, and like you said, there are certain industries that are really being hit harder than others. I mean, everyone's impacted, but you look at, you know, hotels, you look at the airlines industry and everything like that. So I think you make a really good point that as lenders, yes, we want to keep moving the pipelines through and we want to keep you know, the economy going, but what we don't want to do is put people into loans that we know in a month or two, they're not going to be able to make that loan. And now we put them into a house that that just creates more problems. And now we have more foreclosures and default and everything else. And I think they're surgically looking at certain geographies, right? If you're oil and gas in, the, in, in, in Texas or Oklahoma, right? Or mid or fracking areas, or you're, you're in Miami and you're affected by uh, hotels and cruise ships, uh, there, I think there's a caution caution for certain ge geographies even more than others well understandably absolutely excellent point there as we kind of try to to lean in and how do we move things forward what are some of the tips you would give if a borrower was coming to you today what are some of the things that they should be looking at do you see people still looking for homes has that kind of seized as everyone's kind of stop and and stay in shelter what are you seeing out there from that perspective of, you know, what the pipeline's going to look like in the next couple of weeks, in the next month or two? No, it's amazing. Is we, we came into this as uh, one of the hottest, uh, strong purchase markets. The biggest issue was lack of inventory. And you still had homes, a third of the homes, having multiple offers going over asking. I'm going into this, literally, looking at February's numbers. So the... What's interesting is the first wave, as this occurred, we were still getting um, homes are going under agreement, sometimes for asking, uh, but it went from having you know eight offers to three offers. They only need two for an auction, so it, you still had that going. But we're seeing already certain uh, sellers saying, "I'm going to start pulling it off the market, right?" Uh, and just why, why, don't, let's not put a new house on right now. So w without that new fresh inventory coming on. Uh, you'll see, I, I think, as you imagine, most sellers would say, I, I, know, I know how I would feel. I don't think I'm going to get the most people looking at my house right now. I think I'll hold off. So um, unless I'm really desperate for some reason to have to sell. So I think that that, that alone will just suck the oxygen out of the, out of the purchase market. In the meantime, we're right at these thresholds. Rates you know, were hit real lows uh, a couple weeks ago and crushed us in one week. And we got a whole month worth of loans in one week. And a lot of us were really turned off the nozzle. Then the rates soared up a point. And then they've come back down a point. So we're back down near these uh, kind of all-time lows. And lenders are literally turning on the nozzle on and off. So um, it's, it's hard uh, when you're looking at some of these rates. And in the, in the, during the low threes, you're looking at 80% of the market could refinance. But we could only handle 10% of the time. So what we're telling any borrowers is 
you know, we, we won't even, frankly, we can't even return on the, all the calls. And and plus, we we know how difficult the the uh, the attorneys and the appraisers are working. They're not at their best right now because of the limitations. So uh, and and frankly, people working from home aren't are most efficient right now. So the the you can only get so much through the system. If you you have to come in with all of your documents, make a decision, and then if you lock, great, I'll get you in. Um, but and what you see is what you get. It's not a time to do a lot of negotiation because it's very hard to even get lenders on the on the line, uh, and most of them and it will probably take at least 60 days, if not 90 or more, to get through uh, if you're doing a refinance. So we're, we're you know that's that's what you're going to see if, if rates stay around these levels, um, but also lenders don't have much of a reason to drop them uh, deeper, and you know people right. see the fact that right it says hey rates are at zero, let's go uh, lower. It's like don't. You know, lenders have a lot of reason to keep them, but right where they are now, and they, have, they could get more business than they ever know what to do with if they kept them right there. So get the rate. If it makes sense to you, lock it, grab it, and and uh, and do what they tell you, and you'll hopefully close in two you know two months. Do you see any technologies out there that can kind of help us, or causing people to kind of rethink either their operations, whether it's digital closings, <laughs> e-notaries, uh, maybe some technology that allows people to do visual walkthroughs without having to be there in person? Is there anything that's kind of jumped out at you from a technology perspective as people are trying to handle this new normal? I think all of the above. Everyone's trying. Things that have been in pilot are being moved right to the front of the line and say, you know, just like it is like a cure for COVID, right? People let hey, fast track it, right? So uh, there's a lot of little things that we had been uh, we're working on that were uh, improvements and uh, to the system, or or maybe re removing barriers that that we forced and that we really weren't com totally comfortable with yet, or had just been on the back burner that we moved up uh, very quickly. So I think this is a this is a time for for a lot of people to try new things uh, and that they that or they had been piloting or have been considering. And, um, and and frankly, kind of thinking, what 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 do I what do I have left to lose? Right. Well, and, and speaking of that, uh, as we're winding down, one of the things that I always try to ask any of my guests is, so if somebody had a new technology, a new offering, I know you guys do a lot of building, but I'm sure there's some components that you guys still you know uh, purchase from a technology perspective. What is the best way, what is the best approach? Why would you listen to someone right now with all the craziness, with all the chaos? What would it take for you to listen to someone's pitch about technology that could possibly solve some of today's challenges? Anything that saves you know, time, and time efficiencies, and um, mobility, and uh, that is uh, easy to implement, that does not take a lot of time to implement. Uh, so either it plugs and plays, if you have a good existing system, like like you, someone's on an Encompass and it, it plugs and plays very quickly with that. Um, but but it's anything that saves uh, time and increases efficiencies is what people are looking for right now. Perfect. Just, Brian, you have yeah. shared so many great insights. I know my listeners are going to go back and, and listen to it a couple times again and take notes. But thank you for your time. Please stay safe. Uh, we really appreciate your insights today. My pleasure, Michael, always.
Fintech Hunting is brought to you by Next Level Advisors. Next Level Advisors, where businesses come to grow.